Hi, and welcome to Author Uncut. I'm your host and author, Patrice Williams Marks. Today, I'll be reading Chapter 7 of my revenge thriller, Counterpunch. But first, if you enjoy my podcast, I'd be grateful if you spread the word by leaving a rating and a review. AuthorUncut.com can be found wherever you enjoy listening to your podcast. Here's a synopsis of Counterpunch. Everest was not the perfect mom, but what she was, was fierce. After her husband Anthony died at the hands of a drunk driver, it was up to her to raise her daughter Mo alone. Her love for Mo was both unmistakable and unshakable. But when Mo failed to return home from swim practice without so much as a text, Everest knew something was wrong. Will Everest find Mo in time to save her life? Better still, what will she do to the scumbag that brutalized her daughter? Make him pay. Chapter 7 The Intake Everest wasn't steady enough to see Anthony the day he died, but she would be there for him the rest of his journey home. Everest chose the Watkins family funeral home on Maple Street as they had taken great care of her father. Although it was a highly unusual request, they were open to allowing Everest to help take care of Anthony's body through the intake and cleansing process. This was something she was determined to do for him. It was also a way for her to mentally process what had happened to him and to accept it. Everest arrived in the early afternoon, just two days before Anthony's viewing. She had been briefed over the phone by the funeral home's owner himself, Leo Watkins. He explained to her exactly what would be happening, step by step, so as to avoid startling surprises. Leo had shared this type of information many times before, so it was wrote to him. Despite his attention to detail, he always prepared for the fact that family members would be stunned and that, in fact, it was exactly as described. Everest rang the doorbell at the back end of the funeral home, where morts, as they were referred to, would bring the bodies once they had been collected. Everest turned her head towards the closed-circuit surveillance camera and introduced herself. She slung the garment bag containing Anthony's fresh clothes over her shoulder. I'm Everest Jones, here for Anthony Jones. She had practiced saying that sentence aloud on the way over to the funeral home as she wanted to sound as natural as possible and no hint of hysterics. She was afraid that if she didn't have it all together, they would not allow her to help prepare Anthony. A buzzer sounded, and the door was suddenly ajar. Everest stepped forward into a warm and cozy office that resembled more of a living room. There was a two-log fire in the fireplace, beautiful artwork on the walls, a comfortable, overstuffed couch, and a kitchenette. The paint on the walls were warm tones, which matched Leo's disposition. He was there waiting for her with the tender expression that was a cross between a smile and concern. Leo had been in the death business for many years, 
and had mastered the art of compassion minus the smile. My condolences, Leo expressed as he placed a hand on her shoulder. The last time I saw you was around twenty years ago, correct? Leo was referring to her father's Ray's funeral. He removed his hand from her shoulder, timing it perfectly, just long enough to show he cared, but not too long to make things uncomfortable. Everest nodded in the affirmative and appreciated his acknowledgement of her father. Would you like something to drink before we proceed? Water? Tea? There is no rush. We will proceed only when you are ready. Everest was anxious to get to Anthony and passed on the beverages. Leo gestured for Everest to follow him to the processing room where Anthony was waiting. Leo paused and gave Everest a thorough once-over with his eyes, studying her body language and facial expressions for any signs that she could not handle what was beyond those doors. Once he accepted that she was ready, he opened the door to the private processing room. Anthony's body was being removed from a refrigerated compartment and placed on a steel table. A white sheet covered him from the waist down. That was shocking to Everest, as she thought she would have a moment to prepare before pulling the sheet back from his face. But there he was, exposed from the chest up. Everest placed the garment back containing Anthony's clothes on a nearby chair. Leo remained at the door and allowed Everest to take the longest steps in her life, alone, towards Anthony. But the longer she stared at him, the more disarmed she became. Anthony's skin was pale, something Everest was not expecting. It made him look unlike himself. Parts of his body were darkened from bruising with a deep gash near his left underarm. It had been sewn up. His autopsy left a T-shaped incision from his belly button to his collarbone, then across his upper chest. It, too, had been sewn shut. Anthony's head rested on a head block, which elevated his head above his abdomen. Ever stepped closer and touched Anthony's neck just under his chin. The undertaker wanted to stop Evers from making contact with Anthony without gloves, but Leo waved her off. Anthony had already been disinfected in order to protect those who were preparing him. Evers used both of her hands to gently investigate the back of his neck. She was told by Octavia that Anthony's death was caused by a broken neck just below the brainstem. It caused rapid swelling of the spinal cord and disrupted brainstem blood flow and nerve signals, which led to his death. If it was not for the catastrophic neck injury, Anthony would have survived. Perhaps even more shocking than the autopsy incisions were his eyes. His lids were shut, yet it appeared that he had no eyes behind them, as if they had sunken in. The undertaker anticipated Everest's reaction and explained to her that once someone passes, fluids drain, including those from the eyes. The undertaker reached for a small, flesh-colored disc that were on a silver tray next to other instruments. She lifted his eyelid and placed the cap with tiny spikes on the underside of his eyeballs. 
Although his lids were shut, this made Anthony appear to have eyes again. Everest turned, held her stomach, and fought off a gagging reflex. After the sensation had passed, she walked over to the water cooler and drank three shots, one after another. Leo assured her that Anthony was in good hands and that she need not stay, but Everest ignored his suggestion, crumbled, and then tossed the paper cup in the trash can before returning to Anthony. She ran the back of her hand against his cheek as the female undertaker began explaining the other changes to his body and what to expect. The first step was to disinfect, which they had already done. The next step was to clean the body, which the undertaker said provided dignity and respect to the deceased. Everest removed her coat and draped it on the same nearby chair which held Anthony's garment bag of clothes. She rolled up her sleeves to just past the elbows. The undertaker, already wearing gloves, directed Everest to a sink where she could wash her hands and put on her own set of gloves. Everest used a natural sea sponge dipped in soapy water. She allowed it to glide across Anthony's chest in a slow and methodical fashion. This would be the very last time she would be able to do this for Anthony, she thought to herself. She began to wonder what others would think of her cleaning her husband's body. But she didn't care. It was a way for her to accept his passing and to take care of him the way he always took care of her. Anthony loved bubble baths, needing to have one or two every weekend. He would soak in the tub for hours, reading or simply sorting his thoughts out through mindful meditation. Both Everest and Moe knew not to bother him during this soaking time. Everest loved baths too, but did not have a set of rules in place while she soaked. She welcomed Anthony to the bathroom during her time and loved it when he offered to massage her feet while she soaked. Pure heaven. But last weekend, Anthony was taking his usual bubble bath and had misplaced the sponge back scrubber. Everest could hear him flopping around in the water, perturbed that the scrubber was not within arm's length. Discarding his orders, Everest waltzed into the bathroom and searched for the back scrubber. It was under the sink, right where he had left it. She took a spare towel, rolled it up, and laid it against the tub as a knee rest. She kneeled down next to the tub, but instead of simply handing the scrubber to Anthony, she dipped it in the bath water, then ran it across his back in a small circular movement. Anthony's scowl turned into oohs and ahs. Everest took her time scrubbing his back without saying a word so as to protect his private time. This was a man who didn't ask for much, but when he did, he expected to get exactly what he wanted. Everest moved the scrubber further down his back from side to side. She had memorized every inch of his back. There was a tiny birthmark shaped like a heart near the Latimus dorsi. There was a two-inch scar near the left armpit where he fell off his bunk bed and a sharp protruding edge tore into his flesh when he was eight years old. He was trying to show off to his brother when the incident happened. Although it was a serious injury, Anthony was embarrassed and pretended like he was okay. 
but he wasn't. When his brother Alvin finally broke the bro code and informed his parents, Anthony had saturated his pillowcase with blood. Anthony would still use that bro code violation as an excuse for not confiding in Alvin ever again. No matter how many times she would point out how old the two of them were when it happened and how he needed 21 stitches from the injury, he refused to let it go or to forgive and forget, or better yet, be thankful for his brother's actions. Holding into grudges was quite tormenting to maintain. He was the wrong one, as he put it. But to Everest, his tight grip on the perceived disloyalty gave him a sense of righteousness, despite its toxicity, which kept him stuck within his anger. His indignation was simply a signal to be cared for and about, even though it served no healing purpose or solved no issues. It certainly wasn't having any effect on Alvin. At the time, Everest saw this as a flaw in her husband's psyche. To hold this type of a grudge for so many years was to her like what she read online once, lighting yourself on fire and expecting the other person to burn. When Everest completed exfoliating his back, she leaned in and kissed Anthony's shoulder before handing the scrubber over to him. She then stood up and left the bathroom, closing the door behind her. Everest spent well over an hour gently cleaning and scrubbing Anthony as she followed the undertaker's directions. Once completed, she accepted assistance in getting him dressed in his favorite shirt and pants, she wasn't going to place him in a suit, as he never wore them unless he had to. Anthony purposely chose a career where he could work with his hands as a creator while wearing comfortable clothing, but comfortable did not mean sloppy or too casual to Anthony. His jeans were always pressed, socks always dark, and his casual work shirts made to measure. After Anthony was bathed and dressed for his service, the undertaker still needed to perform other duties in order to complete the process. Everest leaned over and gave Anthony a quiet kiss on the cheek before removing her gloves, gathering her coat and empty garment bag, and then exiting the room. She had done exactly what she came there to do. That's it. Join me next week for Chapter 8. Counterpunch can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, Google Play, and Kobo. Want to leave me a voice message? You know you do. Visit my anchor.fm page, the link is in the show notes, and click in the button that says Message to leave me one. I may just use your voicemail in a future podcast. Want to suggest a show episode or get in touch? Visit me at authoruncut.com or send me an email at mailbag at patricewilliamsmarks.com. And finally, to join our email list, go to authoruncut.com. Until next time, write on.